This week's episode of the Run, Eat, Drink podcast is brought to you by listeners like you. Head on over to patreon.com slash run, eat, drink podcast and subscribe today. Fans, founders, and insiders like you help us keep the Run, Eat, Drink podcast going. And we thank you for your support. I'm Bargasso, and you're listening to the Run, Eat, Drink podcast. Welcome to the Run, Eat, Drink podcast. We feature destination races from across the country. And after the race, we take you on a tour of the best local food and beverage to celebrate. So whether you are an elite runner or a back of the packer like us, you'll know the best places to accomplish, explore, and indulge on your next runcation. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 155 of the Runny Drink Podcast. I'm your host, Amy. And I am, of course, your co-host, Dana. This is also a very exciting episode for me. We have a running interview that, of course, clearly, if you listen to last week, I am so jazzed to bring to you. You might have gotten the the clue last week for that, but I'm also excited for this week's episode because... Oh, I didn't say we. I'm sorry. The two Floridians here who are podcasts are going to be talking about some great cold weather food and drink for you guys. Oh, that's true. Yes. So we are definitely outside of our lane. We did not stay in our lane this week. Well, it's warmer here right now. Oh, yeah. It's humid here right now. But a lot of our listeners are still combating the cold temperatures of winter, at, even as we head into March. This is true. We, we were actually talking about, we've been trying to, to offer some food and drink options for everybody to continue to put arrows in their fitness quiver for oh, 2021. Yeah. And we were commenting the other day in, in conversation where we focus on things that are a little lighter, a little more like lighter fare like soups and we haven't gotten into like super hearty things other than the chili yeah the chili was really chili is very hearty very hearty but we said we're the exception to the rule like the rest of the country especially our, our friends out west are mm. enduring some pretty chilly temperatures i do not envy them i hope the best for them but we thought the, the two people from Florida ought to talk to you guys about cold well, weather food. We well, we ought to bring them some things that they can utilize. Yeah, some great enjoy. F- food and drink options that will not only warm the body and the soul, but also can be more healthful. Yes. So we have a couple of options. We're diving into some cooking mm-hmm. this week as opposed to destination dining. Of course. This week. Yes. Because... We are still, a few of our Runcation Nation have been able to attend live races. Yes. Yes. We actually got to celebrate that a little bit this weekend. Yeah. Jennifer Fink did a 5K that was hosted by a local high school where she is. And Jessica, Harley Running Gal. Yes. On Instagram, if you know her, Orange Blossom Half, I think she... Which I never heard of. She coached one of her friends or supported her 
right through her first half marathon. And one of her other friends, a couple of her other friends, actually got age group awards, which were incredible. That's awesome. So cool medal. We got, I think we shared some photos of that in our social media feed and and getting to see people doing a live race Mm -hmm. actually had me suffering from some FOMO. Oh, fantastic for them though. Although big applause. did, Did you notice? And the early, the photos that were taken early in the race, that was a lot of fog on the course. Very humid at the Orange Blossom. I don't know. Uh, Jennifer Fink didn't really share the weather, weather conditions. She just said it was a great local race. And I think that as people are hosting races for the first time or finding their footing again in hosting live races, there are going to be some challenges. Oh, sure. And I just think it still feels good no matter what. And you create some memories that are that you can always hearken back to. Oh, ab- absolutely! I think some of the best laid plans that go awry, you are. I think that you just look back so fondly on those memories with family and friends and fellow runners that you've never even met before, and just you can celebrate those and they can pull you through some tough runs. Could not agree more. Yeah. So applause to the Runcation Nation. And we have an awesome interview or actually part two of an interview to share with you that will fill you with inspiration because I think one of the very first questions we ask Bart Yasso. That's right. If you didn't catch it last week, Bart Yasso. we got Bart Yasso on the show. And this oh. is part two of a three-part interview yeah. with the mayor of running, the former chief running officer of Runner's World oh. Magazine, so. world traveler, a man who's done a marathon on all seven continents. And, and we had him. Like the biggest, baddest ultra ever, Ooh. like from last week. But Ooh. what I like about this week is... He talks inspiration. Yes. Inspiration from all different kinds of runners and people that he's met in his travels. Without further ado, let us bring to you the running segment of our show and part two with running icon Bart Yasso. The sport really has taken off and it's gotten so much more inclusive and Mm. uh, it's really been a real joy to, to physically witness that. That's doing no small part to a lot of the work that you've done over the years yeah. in growing the community yeah. and, and promoting running. And you are an inspiration and a hero to so many people. I'd like to know from your perspective, who are some of your running heroes? Yeah. Yeah. I get that question and I'm friends with some of the greatest runners ever. I can, text them right now and say, what's up kind of thing. (laughs) But it's really, to me, the inspirational stories really make it. And people that overcome a lot of odds just to get to a starting line. Those Mm. are people that really stick with me. And I always say the the running community really inspires me, the running community as a whole, because going all the races I went to and all the years at Runner's World, I witnessed so many amazing people finish races that, just had the odds against them to even get to the starting line, let alone the finish line. 
and to see the running community rally around them and, spot, and to really encourage them, it, it is pretty cool to see. It is, I'll be honest, it is fun knowing some of the fastest runners in the world. <laughs> Uh, they go on to win the big races you go to. It really is fun. But I can tell you, they, uh, people that you never suspect that follow you or inspired by you and you would never know it because they're quiet people. And, mm. But I'm inspired by it's people just willing to go out there and be part of the sport, inspire mm-hmm. others. And yeah. The running community as a whole is, is pretty inspiring. And, oh, uh, yeah. Like, you know, it, just talking about the Anchorage Run Fest and meeting Marco Cicetto. Marco. Oh my yeah. Cicetto, that guy is so hard. He is so hardcore and tough. It's unbelievable. Yeah. A guy that, you know, was a great runner and then lost the lower part of both of his legs. Mm-hmm. And he could have easily just gone down the wrong path, gone yep. into a depression gone into drugs or alcohol really just said, okay, I'm done. He could have felt sorry for himself, but he kind of got himself together and said, you know what? I'm going to get these prosthetic limbs and I'm going to be a runner. Dude, that guy is unbelievable. Uh, I think at Anchorage, he did the half. I think he ran 118 for a half marathon on two prosthetic limbs. I mean, the guy's unbelievable. It's, yeah. You know, when you think of Marco, all you think of is that smile. Yeah, uh, he's got he's got the classic. I've done races in Kenya and you know spent a fair amount of time in East Africa. And the Kenyans they all have this beautiful smile. Marco is like quintessential Kenyan big smile. You see those big teeth, that big smile. Yeah, nah, uh, he's a very inspiring person and just a just a joy to be around. And you know when you see that kind of stuff, you, you, it really just takes you to a whole new level. It does. When, when I when I talked about when I retired, I was doing all these interviews, and one of the questions I got a lot, like they said, "Okay, what's your what's your mark going to be on the running community when you step away?" And you know, everyone thought it was going to be, "Oh, you won this race, or you did that." I said, "No, nah, it has." <laughs> what I really want runners to know, and I remind the runners every time I'm around people and groups or wherever is how inspiring that they are and how they inspire people they may never know and may never meet and never know they inspire people. So mm. be out there, just be aware of that when you're out there. Somebody's watching you, a neighbor, someone that you work with, you just have no idea. Mm. And I found that out. I, people were, I was easy to track down because you pick up Runners World magazine and my name's right at the top of the masthead, and there's my email address and my phone numbers at work. So people were able to track me down a little bit easier than your typical runner. And that's, I would get these emails and stuff from people and just how I inspired them. And I was just blown away because I, I just, just wasn't what I anticipated would happen to me. And, and it's, they're in, when they would tell me their story, their story was inspiring. And it was just things like, I always tell people, I got this email one time from this mom and it was her son that was talking to her. And this kid wanted to be Bargasso. And he was an, he's an autistic kid, really non-communicative, socially awkward. No one liked him at school, all this stuff. And 
mom said, I, I would try to talk to him at night and say, what's going on in that head of yours? What, what are you thinking? And then she'd get a pen and paper out and he wouldn't say anything. And then she said, one night I tell him, what's going on? And she, he started talking. She's writing it down. And he said he wanted to be Bart Yasso. And he said, everybody likes that guy. She would come to a race that I was at and he would come to my talk and she would be with her son. And uh, he liked that, how everyone would come up and talk to me afterwards, because that's what he wanted, because he'd go to school and no one would talk to him and they'd be mean to him. And I'm reading this email. I'm just about, I had to get up and close my office door because I was in there crying, thinking, putting myself in this kid's shoes and uh, how hard it was. And he said, you know, Bariasso does this and this, and I just wish I could be Bariasso for one day. And I wish he was my age and all this kind of Bariasso stuff. And I was, I was really torn apart. And then the very end of the, the email, really, you know, I, with tears run down my face, but I got to laugh because he said, yeah, I want to be Bargasso, but I don't want to do all that running crap. <laughs> oh, God, what a way to end it. It was uh, such a cool email. But so I inspired this kid without ever knowing who this kid is or, you know, he would just be with his mom. But then I did go do a 10 kilometer race in their hometown and, you know, ran with the, the mom Aww. and her son. So it was Aww. pretty cool. So he did and do I some even, of that running crap. He did all. do some yeah. of the running crap. Oh, yeah. He, he did run a little bit, but he didn't want to do like bad water and that kind of stuff. That's no. why <laughs> running crap. Like, you can't, you couldn't script something like that. And you no. would, if this woman would have never reached yeah. out to me, I would never have known that. So that I always use that as an example. And I know I got an Instagram message recently. I used to go speak to this uh, school uh, close, you know, it was, maybe 10 miles from the runner's world office and was in a, you know, a poor school in a rough part of town. And that's why I always went to that one school and talked to the kids about, you know, God, you know, I, running may just give you that, that inspiration that you can go on and do something else. I'm not saying you have to be a great runner, but running really teaches you, you know, how to set goals and attain these goals and, and it's going to help you out in school. So I used to go there and talk to these kids. And then one day I got a message and it was the principal of the school. And he said, you know, you used to come and talk to these, my kids. And he said, I was that big heavy guy in the background. And he goes, and I never thought I would run. And he said, you know, one day I thought I got to make a change because my doctors told me like you're overweight and you really should start making a change now. And he took up running. He said, oh, you also guys seemed like running was so fun. And, uh, when he sent me this message, he said, I'm heading off to do my first marathon. And I was like, I, you know, he's, he, I would assume he was there every time I arrived at the school, but you know, and I'm sure at some point he greeted me, uh, but he just used to hang out in the background, not with the kids. Like he would yeah. be back here and he would see me interact with these kids. And, you know, three years later, he got inspired from what I was telling those kids. So yeah. just never know. That's that's we always have to keep that in mind. Like never never say, oh, that was the worst run I've ever had. I feel terrible. <laughs> you know, you just gotta you have bad days, you just say, hey, didn't have my greatest run, but I'm happy to be out there. Cause you you, you know, someone could be listening, you don't wanna and you could be inspiring that person. So I always tell runners that was my message to runners. Keep have on ever, inspiring and, and be aware of how you inspire people. Have you ever been 
in a race and been at a at a tough or a low point and, and what and thinking you know i'm gonna i i gotta quit yeah what what turned it around for you is there a particular thing yeah i mean i i did drop out of a couple of races because i was sick and didn't yeah. realize it at the time but i thought you know i can do this and i'm tough i can do this and that was really a mistake to do because i ended up in the hospital <laughs> but uh but it's just a regular race where you, it's so easy to talk yourself out of saying, okay, you know, what am I out here? Just not having a good day. I'm killing myself for no reason at all. I should just quit. But that's the worst thing to do. You really just got to keep going because sometimes those tough races are the ones you really remember. Mm-hmm. And then when you do have that really good day, it's really going to help you that you remember, okay, I didn't quit that day when everything went wrong and, uh, you know, now I'm feeling like I got wings on my shoes. I'm going to take off and yeah. have the greatest race of my life. So that's why I always tell people you've got to, you know, unless it is something where you're really sick or something, that, yeah. That, yeah. that's a smart thing to stop. Uh, but yeah, you just, it's all in your head. You've got to just, you got to tell yourself it's worth it to finish and just it's keep a mental game. On. It really is. And it's, it's so easy to talk yourself out of it, especially the longer the race is, because you've got just time to just go, ah, you know what? I can drop out here, go jump in a pool at the hotel. <laughs> yeah. You know, but it really does pay to get to that finish line and you will have better days. It I changes would- you, I think. Yes. When, it, when it's not about sickness or not about injury that could make you worse, I really think if you can take hold of the mental attitude and make it to the finish line, yeah. it does change you and it changes your life. I totally agree. Amy. And especially, the, you know, if it's a real long race where you're, yeah. <laughs> you're only at mile 10 of a 50 mile race and you're going, man, I don't feel well, but you just keep right. going. 146. Really yeah, or, yeah. I mean, I could have stopped many times in that race, but yeah. it was, uh, it was, there was never a chance. I mean, I was, I, once I told myself at the start of that 146 mile race to enjoy it and to really think of all the miles you've run to get here and the opportunity you have. And that's what I thought the whole way. Yeah. I, I, I mean, when I, I remember when I got to the 100 miles, and I was like, oh, my God, there's only 46 miles to go. This is so easy. There's only. That's the, only. Yeah. Oh. The, I had that mindset. I, I run 23 to 25 miles a week now. So I can't, uh, you know, I 46 miles now would feel like a long way. But then I just had that back of my head. Felt strong at 100 miles, only 46 to go. I'm going for it. <laughs> a little bit That's different these days, but. But you, yeah, you have to not, you really teach yourself not to give up, to really get those bad demons out of your head and think good Mm -hmm. stuff and, you know, be happy you can do this and just keep going. Do do you think that that's something that you, you get better at with practice? Yes. Yeah. And just, you know, you're going to realize the more you do races, you're going to realize some days it just, you just don't have it. I don't know what it is, but some days you just go out there and I always kid around. I would say some days you feel like you got wings on your shoes and just, it's just effortless to run and you can just get faster as you go along. And then there's some days I always think like, 
my God, my running buddies put like Velcro on the bottom of my shoes or something. <laughs> I feel like I'm sticking to the road and I have no, I just can't push it off. What is going on here? And that's, that, that's a thing that always comes in my mind. I know my, my running buddies, they did something to my shoes last night that I don't know about, but it, it just the way it is. I remember the first marathon I did in East Africa, the Mount Kilimanjaro marathon. It's a two loop course. And man, I just had one of those days and it was, there were so many fast runners in this race. Everyone was East African, either Tanzanian, Kenyan, or Ethiopian. And they shoot the gun off and I, there were maybe three of us not running faster than six minute miles. And I, I was right at six minute mile pace. And I just remember, thinking, okay, I still got to run my own race. But I had one of those days that, man, it just was effortless to run and i just got faster and faster as the race went on came to ramp away and then really picked it up on that second half and came in i was so excited to finish that race and they took away they dismantled the whole finish line area about two hours and 20 minutes into the marathon there was no hat there was only a marathon and the winners came in and they didn't even care about the first woman they didn't even you know whatever top 10 runners come in and they just turn the clock off and folded up the shoot and stuff that they had. And when I came in, I thought I was in the wrong place, but I knew I followed the course. And I was like, to finish. But halfway there was all this banner I went under and all this fanfare and then came around and man, like, ah, what the heck? And then I realized I was in the right spot. And mm -hmm. they were like, I said to Richard, like, where's the finish line? Ah, oh, it's in the trunk of my car. <laughs> it's in the trunk of my car. <laughs> he looked at his watch and he's like, it's two hours and 40 minutes. What were you doing out there that long? And I'm like, man, dude, I ran my, <laughs> I ran as hard as I could run. And yeah. Good out there. It's just so different the way East Africans think of a race, the way we think of a race. Wow. And that was early 90s. It, the race has changed a lot. They really now stick around for people and they do a half marathon in marathon. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, but there was no yeah. half. There were there were very few races that had a half in a marathon in the old days. Very few. Now it's not a, more common. Now it's very common. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a great thing because it just opens up the door for more people to do it. That yeah. is true. And I think that I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the Yasso 800s. Oh, my God. Yeah. I think it would be a crime if I, if I didn't actually ask you, okay, so uh, there's a lot out there. Like when you Google, when you do any kind of search engine, you get hundreds of videos, you get all of this. So it, it's, can you talk a little bit about that method? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So the first thing I always tell runners is don't have a workout named after you. That's number <laughs> one. Because <laughs> you get beat up on the internet every day. <laughs> it's so funny. People always send me these threads and they always say, oh my God, you got to get on this thread. They're bashing Yasso 800s. And I go, I don't have to get on any thread. I've only ever said the workout works for me. I never said it worked for anyone else. Yeah. Uh, but Ambie was the one who named them after me, Ambie Burfoot editor at Runner's World for many years, gentleman who won the Boston Marathon in 1968, a prolific mm. writer, a great writer, a great person. I still keep in touch with Ambie. He's a really great guy. But he, I was at the race with him. We were rooming together. 
And I said, I'm going out to do this workout 10 times 800 so I can figure out what shape I'm in to run this marathon. And I, you know, told him how 10 800s, if I average 240, I'll run a 240 marathon. He thought I was crazy. So I did the workout and then two weeks later did the marathon and was exact. And he was blown away. And he said, oh, my God, we got to get this in runner's world. I said, but Andy, I only said it works for me. I used to run three miles as a warm up and then do a bunch of strides and then run 10 times 800 with a 400 recovery and then another three mile cool down. So it's a good workout, a lot of miles. And, but you average the 800 meters in the time you want to run in the marathon. Of course, the 800 meters are in minutes and seconds versus yes. marathon time and hours and minutes. But the, you want to run a four-hour marathon, you run four-minute 800s. And Ambie thought it would be genius and he thought is the greatest. So he starts this story in Runner's World and he's talking to me and, and then they, he named them after me without me knowing it. <laughs> oh, he didn't include you no. on that creative decision. No, not no. that part of it. But he said, he said, because I had an unusual last name, if I was Bart Smith, he would have never called him Smith 800s. Hmm. He said, you got an unusual last name. That's really going to stick. And I, you know, and this is 1993. He's not wrong. No. Yeah. And he real, and I said, okay, this will be in the magazine. People will do the workout. Someone will, you know, yell at me at a race it didn't work for him and then I'd never hear about it again that's what i said in 1993 and, and, then, <laughs> and then the commercially there, available internet came yeah out. then that's oh. right. the internet came along and then uh i said oh my god there's not a day in my life that someone doesn't email me or message me or somehow get a hold of me about yasso 800 so it is really fun but it does work for a lot of people and uh some people just it's their first experience in track workout so they get some mm -hmm. track and they like it and obviously going on the track and running faster is gonna get you faster i don't think that yeah so 800s are any great point you know it's not based on science it really is just this correlation that's kind of just happened and, from experience uh, from you yeah. looking back at your training right. log and seeing and it really did correlate with my training and uh you know i just i just messaged someone on Instagram last night because it came up, uh, the hashtag came, showed up the S800s and this guy did two 800s and he said, wow, this says I can run a four hour marathon. He did two 800s averaging four minutes. And he said, you know, I don't think I'm ready for a four hour marathon. And I, and I told him, I said, what, you got to do 10 times 800, not two times 800. If I was like, you can run a lot faster if you're only doing two 800s than doing 10. So, he couldn't believe that I got through to him and, you know, counted <laughs> this, uh, you know, it was really fun. Oh, I, I think. But it's I just would. one of the fun things in running. It really is. You know, I always kid people don't have a workout named after you because I was in a coffee shop working on my laptop and uh, this woman comes in and she recognized me and she just came, she said, are you Bart Yasso? And I said, yeah. And she said really loudly in this coffee shop. I curse your name every Wednesday night. Must and, be, you know, must when, be when, training night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and when you when you say that about around runners, you know they think it's funny. But in a coffee shop where they don't know how I know this woman or what I do to like make what happen, <laughs> you know, like the whole coffee shop got quiet. And then I thought, you know, she was gonna 
sit down, talk to me or whatever. She went and got her coffee. And the whole everyone's looking at me in this coffee shop like, wow, this dude's so mean, makes this girl curse <laughs> or whatever. So what did he do? She got her she got her coffee and then came back. And then we sat down and had this nice conversation. And then everyone realized whatever I did to this woman was not a bad thing because she was talking and we had a great conversation. It was really funny. But that, <laughs> those are the things that I, you know, it's just crazy. I was I was laughing so hard when I realized why the coffee shop you could hear a pin drop after that woman. Oh, she said so loudly that everyone heard. My God, I curse your name every Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> it's too funny. A follow-up on the, the Yasso 800. Okay. Is it scalable to the half marathon? And do you think yeah. it's realistic well, for a first-timer? Yes. I mean, I, I, I find that the Yasso 800s work for a, a marathoner that has a couple marathons under their belt because then they really oh. learn how to run the race to distance. Okay. Okay. And then, and then it really, so when I was doing the workout and doing the stuff, you know, I was running 90 to hundred miles a week. Cause that's what everyone did back then. <laughs> if you were a marathoner, you ran hundred miles a week. It was just the way it was. You don't need to run that much, but uh, I didn't know that back in the <laughs> early eighties. And when I started doing all this stuff, but the, uh, but it's just, you know, the way it was. So I find that, the Asteroid 100s really work for someone that does somewhat higher mileage and is used to going on the track and has a couple of marathons under her belt. Okay. Transitioning into the half marathon. Uh, so when the half marathon became popular, because it was not, they were very, they, they weren't common back when I started racing. Uh, mm. There were, in fact, there were only two. Uh, the one in Indianapolis started in the 70s and also the one in Philly. Mm. They were so old, they didn't call them half marathons. They called it the Philly distance run. And the one in Indianapolis called it the mini marathon. Oh, yeah. 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 So eventually this turn came along half marathon and they're like, whoa, OK. And then, you know, it just took off. But the so when I started doing some half marathons, I figured out I did 20 times 400 with a 200 recovery. And it was exact. I ended up running. I, I, I remember it. I did, you know, my favorite half marathon. There was this local half marathon. I went out and did the 2400s. So I averaged 112. I do the race. I ran 112. Wow. I mean, to the okay. exact, but again, that, you know, 2400s was <laughs> it's a, a workout. And uh, do you, you, know, you do all of those and then the recovery comes after the drills? Yeah. So you're doing, so I was did a three mile warm up and then strides and all kinds of craziness and then <laughs> 400 meters and then 200 meter jog, 400 meters to them. And you got to do 20. Alternate. Miles. Yeah. Okay. So lucky we had those fancy Casio watch that had yeah. the 20 split. So new, uh, because then, you know, I remember doing it, the, First couple of times I did it, I would put little pebbles and then just throw one away every time. So you count it down because I never wanted to think like, okay, I got how many? It was 11, <laughs> and then you go, was that 11 or do I have 11 to go? Or, you know, and then I always thought, put those little pebbles there. When I'm out there running, my buddy's going to put some more back there. <laughs> You're going to end up doing like 30 of them. Oh, my Lord. So luckily, those watches ended up going. We could get 20 splits on them. That was a big deal back then 
you know, and you think of the technology today. Yeah. yeah. Oh we my were, gosh. We were bare bones. Yeah. A little yeah. bit of the running clothes. Nothing was fancy, no fancy colors and running shoes. You knew every running shoe made, you knew every brand and every model because there were maybe 15 different models of shoes. So you knew everything. Sure. Now yeah. there's so many brands and different shoes. Like I, I can't keep up. I, I know all the brands. I don't know all the different shoes that each brand has. Anymore. What they do. And yeah, we always, yeah. we, we needed help when we started to run and <laughs> yeah, we were lucky to have it here locally in town. Yeah. All the mistakes you could make in picking your first running we shoe. So we so made them. them. We did them all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, that's pretty common. And that's why, yeah. but the running stores were lucky. The running stores really help you out. They have experienced yeah. people and they yeah. get you in the right shoe for you because most people start out and they say, I want the best running shoe. I'm really serious about this running. And it's really, there is no such thing. There's a shoe that fits you based yeah. on what you run, how the style you run, whether you supinate or pronate, either your foot turns in or outward. Or, mm -hmm. you know, and the running store will know this stuff. They got the pros there. And it, yeah. it's uh, so helpful. So I always tell people just get to the running store to get fitted for your shoes. But but the workout does work for half marathons if you want to do 20 times 400. So it's but good it's to a, know because yeah. I haven't really, like we haven't tackled the marathon distance. We were supposed to do, to run our first at Walt Disney World this year. Right. And uh, then it went virtual, you know. Yep. So, so we didn't go. We opted not to because we want that experience in person. Yep. And I think... And I think that a lot of runners are are feeling that way and feeling like uh -huh. that missing that community, like you talk about sure. so yeah. so much. It, have yeah, you this, this race has gone virtual? It's been hard yeah. on people. Have you found ways to deal with that? And what what kind of advice have you given runners during this period? Yeah, people. People always just ask me, like, do I have a mantra or anything? Yeah. And I used to say, I, I really don't have a mantra, but I always, when I got to the start of a race, I always said this to myself. I always reminded myself that you're pretty lucky to do this. You know, kind of run free through these roads. As I traveled around the world, I saw a lot of people that were suppressed and, yeah. you know, right peak town they wouldn't they wouldn't even have the infrastructure to close a course down that people could run so i always thought man we got it made we're gonna just get to run free and we have this freedom and then i always reminded myself don't ever take it for granted how lucky we are to run because not yeah. everyone has that opportunity there are people that can't run and uh, we're lucky that we can do it so i always reminded myself of that and, uh, Focusing on and then the when this virtual stuff started happening, people, you know, I was getting messages from people all over the world because when it really hit hard in Italy, yeah, yeah, those I did a lot of interviews and runners from Spain and Italy uh, when it first hit before it got really bad here. Mm -hmm. They were asking me what to do because there were a lot of areas they weren't allowed to leave their home. Right now they're stuck in their house and they didn't know what to do, and you know, I. It, it was just one of those things that I always tried to remind people that how lucky we are to do this. And then we really lost those freedoms for a, a while that yeah. uh, couldn't run free 
uh, especially in the European countries where it was, I mean, you get fined if you left your house. Right. Yeah. yeah. And you could get thrown in jail. I mean, it was that serious the way they locked things down in Northern Italy and uh, a couple areas of Spain. So, yeah, those that are is, areas yeah. where they have so many multi generational households. Yes, they're right. culturally a yes. good bit different than we have yeah. here in the U.S. I mean, when they didn't know the, what was happening with this with, with the virus, I've spent a lot of time in Italy, and people just you go to a sh- coffee shop and everyone kisses everyone, and yeah. then you see the person for lunch and you kiss them again, him or her, and it's just what they do. So you can imagine how it spread in Italy. Yeah, yeah. And they didn't know they were spreading. It's tough because <laughs> so you just didn't that. know. Yeah. But but I always, I encourage people to do the virtual races because it was really helping out races because yeah. a lot of races are going to never happen again because they couldn't survive. You and know, it's, they just didn't have yeah. the infrastructure to, yeah. to keep it going. So the race of that did survive this are the ones that were able to pull off a virtual race and create yeah. some income for their employees. And so it, it's our community got hit pretty hard. The running community yeah. really got hit hard, but you know, virtual, when we go back to whatever the new normal is going to be at races, uh, you know, yeah. I think there's going to be some changes that to us eventually would just be normal. Yeah. Feel different when races start back up. Hopefully we can just get back there and yeah. back to the old days. But I think I think the virtual races are going to stick around for quite a while because I think yeah. even races that go back to whatever the new normal is, they're going to offer a virtual part of mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Because Why wouldn't you? Yeah. There's a lot of people that are going to be afraid to be in big crowds, yeah. even after the vaccine is out. And there's just going to be people that just, they just, you know, they're just not going to feel comfortable. Yeah. Right, they they so in the virtual, they'll get the shirt, they'll get the medal, they'll go do it in their you know backyard. And, mm-hmm. and I worked with a lot of races. I actually did some race announcing for virtual races. So people, oh, you did? Yeah, the, the race would load up my stuff on the on their website, and then you fire up your phone, and then you hear me send you off at the start, and then ten minutes into the race, I'm talking to you. You're Getting in your groove, keep it going, and then I would call oh, you. Oh, that's great! It was really fun that. to do. Yeah, yeah so I was doing these vo- voiceovers for a lot of races, and I just tell people, just do what you can. If you can do these virtual races, get out and do them because yeah. it's better than doing nothing. Yeah, yeah. And in the last several months, our podcast, because we normally travel to destination races, yeah. we've pivoted to featuring a lot of virtuals that are helping charities and yeah. they have something right. tied to it. And and there are a lot of people mm-hmm. that were kind of on the fence about virtuals, but yeah. I think that it, it gives you that external motivator. Yeah. But yeah. May, maybe just going out and running on your own wouldn't give you, and you can do some good while you're, you're getting out and still training and still, still yeah. keeping moving. Yeah. Yeah. I always, I said, I, Ended up doing a lot of virtual races because races kept reaching out to me. And one of the first ones I did was uh, the Kauai Marathon in Hawaii, which I always go to. I host oh. that every year and it wasn't going to happen. So I did a virtual. Anne and I always, you know, go to Hawaii. So I thought, okay, we're going to do this loop and then we'll both do the half marathon. And then uh, 
and and my girlfriend Ann is faster than me, so she finished, and I'm out there struggling, and I like come in, and I'm like, you know, you're running alone the whole time, but when I got to where I was going to finish, Ann was there to greet me. She had my medal. She had some fluids for me, you know, and I thought, wow, this is the coolest thing ever because the person I love the most is really greeting me at the finish, so it meant so much, and I thought – it paid off to be the slowest one in the family because, you know, when Ann finished, there was nobody there. And I, she had all this stuff set up for me when I came in. It was really cool. So the virtual, you know, you can have yeah. fun doing the virtual races. You yeah. stuff to do that you can't do in a regular race. Yeah. Ask your neighbor to be the race starter and yeah. some kids to be the finish line announcer when you come yeah. in. Crazy stuff in your neighborhood. And people will do it because, you know, everyone's hunker down and can't go anywhere do a race where there is a connection some charity that you really would love to support mm. that way it gives you the incentive to do it and have fun doing it yeah. it's pretty cool what i love about this interview this portion of our interview is just the inspiration that comes from unknown places yeah and bart talks about that yeah, he talks about, oh, I've been to this this school and I've talked to these students and this principal was there and I didn't even know that you never know who you're going to inspire. No, you have, you have no idea. And we've actually even been the recipients of that a little bit where we've had people reach out to us and say that they saw us on a race course and yeah. you know, they, they were so inspired to see us running together. It, it was nice to hear him talk about that. Yeah. And then to be able to actually know what a, that feels like a little bit. Of, we're not the mayors of running <laughs> by any stretch. It's a very small scale version of what he has accomplished. Like a minuscule part of that. We put the micro in the microcosm when yes. it comes to that. But yeah, but yeah I, I totally understood what he was talking about and it just felt so good to talk to him about it. And it was a good reminder. You never know any runner, every runner out there. It doesn't matter how slow or how fast you are. It doesn't matter how big or how small you are. It doesn't matter where you are in your running journey. You and what you say and what you do can inspire someone else. Absolutely. So... I just want to thank Bard for sending that message and drilling it home, especially this week in his, in the segment that we, we have. Yeah. And next week we're going to be wrapping up the interview with mm -hmm. Bart. I yeah. think that everyone's going to love hearing how that conversation ends and mm -hmm. we can't wait to share that with you guys, but yeah. we're hoping that you're enjoying this series and thanks for sticking around uh, through this mm -hmm. and stay tuned for part three next week. Well, I mean, I could listen to him forever. I know. Me yeah. too. And the thing is, he has way more stories than he shared with us just oh, during I know. that time too. So. And so his book, My Life on the Run, mm -hmm. if anybody needs an audio book for a long run, yeah, that is one that will keep you engaged with stories for miles. Yep. So I, just we scratch the surface, but check it out. And... Link in the show notes? Oh, yeah. For sure. There you go. Yeah. Just listening to him talk about running makes me hungry. And 
we didn't talk at the beginning of the show about what our own personal running for this week has been. You're still hardcore into rehab. Mm -hmm. I just did some short training runs, but regardless, we've worked up an appetite and we cooked ahead this week in preparation, knowing we were going to be working up an appetite. We did. We did. And to do that, what we decided to do was go back to a, a reference, a resource that we talked about on our show more than a couple of episodes ago. You, oh, yeah. you have heard us talk about this book for a couple of episodes. And in fact, you got to, yeah. and you've even gotten to enjoy us talking with the authors. Yes. Ray Cronice and Juliana Heber, who's yeah. also known as the plant-based dietitian. We're coming up on the anniversary of those interviews in I know. April. That's crazy. Episodes 108, 109. Those were amazing conversations we had. And of course, the book we're talking about is The Health Span Solution. Mm-hmm. And this is a, a reference, kind of an educational and informative book that talks about pl- healthy plant-based eating. Mm-hmm. And gives you over 100 recipes to cook from. And they're so versatile that the potato salad we featured last year that some of our Runcation Nation made and took photos of and just and talked about their families truly enjoying. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah, food that is, it happens to be plant-based, but there is no attempt to fool you and make you think it's you know something other than it is but so flavorful Mm -hmm. and so delicious you don't care and our and like we talked about at the top of the show our northern friends and even our friends in texas have really endured some rough weather yes this winter Uh, it's been brutal for uh, really everybody but florida we're we just decided we're not participating in winter this year which is terrible we commiserate with you though we have been through hurricanes and tornadoes and so we know what tough weather is like when we think about warmer weather and what we enjoy then the antithesis of that is just the harsh snow the rain and we wanted to warm your soul with the recipe from the Healthspan Solution this week. Yeah. Now, this happens to be a dish that is near and dear to our hearts. We have had oh. this in numerous restaurants across yeah. the country. Mm-hmm. We, I grew up eating it. Yes. And I am a huge fan, and Amy is too, of shepherd's pie. We've had it at Raglan Road, although I don't think we've ever broken down and reviewed that dish on any episode we have talked about a lot of different recipes and dishes that they have there at raglan road in disney springs in orlando on the disney property oh yeah whether it's the shepherd's pie at raglan road and bangers and mash we haven't actually reviewed the 
the shepherd's pie proper on the show. No, but they've got an amazing one there. Of Ugh. course, there's one of my favorites growing up or living in Atlanta during college and post-college at the Limerick Junction in oh. Virginia Highlands. And we passed that on the Jeff Galloway Half Marathon course. Yes. Which is incredible. I um, love that. I believe that the the pub in Naples serves a, a, a shepherd's pie as well. There's a, a couple of others that we've had over the you years. You get it. We've seen members of the Runcation Nation post it lately too Mm -hmm. which i think kept that top of mind for me yes so the shepherd's pie in the health span solution they really call the shepherdess pie yeah interesting naming convention that they went with but it's it is basically a a version of shepherd's pie sans the meat Mm mm-hmm and this gives you a, a, an amazingly hearty dish mm-hmm. that substitutes instead of the ground beef and mm-hmm. some in some recipes ground lamb oh, combination yeah. with with beef. Actually, yeah. Um, this substitutes instead a mixture of black beans, mm-hmm. um, brown Lent- brown lentils. or green lentils, lentils, yeah, and shiitake mushrooms. Yeah, I think that is what gives it its base, its meaty hardiness without the meat Yeah, in this particular recipe. But then it goes a step further. And of course, all the traditional vegetables are there as well. You, yeah. of course, have your peas and carrots because yeah. you have to have peas and carrots in a shepherd's pie. You do. You've got your onion mm-hmm. and it is creating a thickened, rich broth or almost a gravy almost mm. for the vegetable or for the quote unquote meat of the dish mm. using a mixture of cornstarch and red wine. And you, you choose the red wine that speaks to you and it's not really all that much red wine. So no. it's still a healthful dish. And remember when you're cooking, you're cooking that alcohol out. Yeah. This is really using the red wine is to give it a depth of flavor mm-hmm. and a, a, I don't want to say a meatiness. That's not really correct. A hardiness. A hardiness. Yeah. A warming your soul kind of dish is what it does with all of the hearty vegetables and that that red wine, it just gives it that long stewed, long cooked flavor. Exactly. So the, you're doing the, that instead of using like a beef broth or, yeah. or, or stock. Mm-hmm. And the recipe is in that book, The Healthspan Solution. Oh, but we, we, we almost skipped over the best part. What? The mashed potatoes. Uh-huh. I just want everybody to know while we're gushing over this recipe that you can get it, even though we're not going step by step. No. You you can get it in the Healthspan Solution, and we link to it in the show notes. Yeah, we've got an affiliate link in the show notes. Yeah. So and, if you choose to click yeah. on that link, you support the show, and you still get a great savings on that book from Amazon. It's of no cost. It's no extra cost to click on the links and support us. Exactly. In those affiliate links. But it, I, I love... The potatoes (laughs) on the top. I am a mashed potato. I'm a meat and potatoes kind of girl. I grew up that way. This is true. And the hardiness and the woodsiness of rosemary and thyme with those potatoes. Yeah. uh, I love the fact that you basically are boiling the potatoes with sprigs of rosemary and thyme so that, that the potatoes are scented with those spices. 
or herbs, excuse me. Oh, it's just so rich. And it just reminds me of comfort food. Yeah. And aside from the fact that you're replacing the filling with a vegetable based filling, Mm -hmm. you prepare this exactly like you would a regular shepherd's pie. So Mm -hmm. once you've created that amazing filling with the the mushrooms and the lentils and the beans and the peas and carrots and all that, and and you've got the, 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 you've cooked it all down and you've got that great quote unquote gravy going. Mm. You're then topping it with these fresh mashed potatoes and then baking them to those potatoes have that nice golden crust on top. It's so good. <sighs> yeah. And the portions, you can portion it out however you want, but we portioned it into eight humongous servings. We made a little bit more than what the recipe called for. I think the recipe makes out six servings. Does it? I think so, but it was a lot of food. And the mm-hmm. portions are, are the, the, you know, we're making the, the basic portion size very hearty. This is stick to your ribs kind of food. It is. And it, it's just great. And we hope that you'll try it. I think the way it comes together is just building layers of flavor and creating that comfort winter dish. Mm-hmm. And I know that we're into March now, but I know that some of our Northern friends still have that harsh winter weather they're combating. Yes. And so this is just another tool in your toolkit to combat those as you come out and head into the spring. Absolutely. And I would also like to say that if you are wanting to make this dish, Mm. this is a great base recipe for a shepherd's pie oh yeah so then if you were to decide okay i've done it meatless this go round maybe next time instead of doing the mushroom filling Mm. maybe i just want to use my favorite meatless crumble oh sure so if you want to use something like say the garden brand Mm -hmm. meatless crumbles that's one that we like not a sponsor of the show no just really like that one for its flavor and texture and it's locally available to us and and in and most large grocery chains now have which is great or if you find maybe the impossible or what's the other one morning star farm morning star farms has those are a few so there's a lot of those textured or what what they call it textured vegetable protein Mm -hmm. meat crumbles Mm -hmm. that are available you could also do this with your favorite meat this recipe once you have got the the other part of it dialed in mm-hmm. and you're making it the only thing you need to change up is what's making up the bulk of your filling mm-hmm. so you can play with it <sighs> this is just one that truly keeps it vegetable and doesn't do any of the the proteins the, right. the meat animal the, animal proteins the animal proteins or the meatless kind of protein substitutes but you can certainly play with that once you see what the recipe lays out yeah and super easy i think it's about 20 minutes of preparation and i want to say about 25 minutes of total cook Actual time baking and yeah once you put it all together sauteing and yeah so it's not and you can certainly like for the onion and for the celery and things like that, you of course you can get the whole vegetables or you can get them chopped now in your grocer's produce. I'm so section. glad, so glad you mentioned that. So if you're heading to the grocery store and you are wanting a time-saving meal, 
and you pick up things that are pre-chopped. Bam, bam, bam. Your carrots, onions, celery, boom, you're done. Yeah. Basically, it's, it's just sautéing sauté time with the then, garlic and yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, please check the link out in the show notes mm-hmm. for the Healthspan solution, mm-hmm. and you're looking for the shepherdess pie. Yep. That is the recipe we are featuring for you guys this week. I believe that Amy took some photos and video of the cooking process. Yes. It's not in the episode artwork because Bart is. I guess. Okay. It's it's Bart. Yeah, so. so but you're going to be sharing that in the social feed? Of course. Okay. Of course. So we're, not, we're not just bragging on this book for yeah. any old reason. This mm-hmm. is a great recipe we think you guys ought to check out. Yeah. But there is a common thread that we're going to talk about from the food. To the beverage. To the beverage. Here in a moment. But first, yeah. we want to take a minute. We've got some shout outs to do. We certainly do. We want to say, first and foremost, just before we get to the shout outs, thank you to all of our patrons for the support and growth you've allowed us to achieve in 2020 and heading into 2021. Yeah, if you've been seeing any of the video feed that we have been adding to and really revamping our recording studio, mm-hmm. we have new equipment installed. I have mm-hmm. new, the the last of the LED lighting is arriving tomorrow, <sighs> I think. It's either tomorrow or the day after. And that is due completely from the generosity of our patrons. It's amazing. And we can't thank you enough. Your contribution helps us continue to bring the Runcation Nation a great show in 2021. And this week, we welcome a couple of new patrons and we throw out sincere applause for those who have upgraded their patron status yes as well so you guys have heard us talk about the two dollar five dollar and ten dollar levels that is fans founders and insiders Mm -hmm. we have two new insiders we do and one who has upgraded from a founder to an insider yes so josh osborne he, you will frequently find him dropping into the coffee chats and to our weekly chats on Wednesday to get through hump day. And He's Midnight Wolf 308. Yes, on Instagram. And we, we can't thank him enough for his support and his positivity. And he upgraded to become an insider at the highest level of patronage in in our patron program. <laughs> such a such an awesome surprise to see that email come across. Thank you so much, Josh. And then we had not one, but two become insiders of the show. Just pledge for the very first time, Joanne Blatchley and Darlene Kaminsky. And again, I'm... I'm Positively Polly One and... The C.H. Gourmet. I may be butchering the Instagram we're, we're user not good handle. We're not good at this. User tags or user, user handles at all. Yes. But yeah, I'm sitting on the couch and I get the ding and I get the ding and I'm like, hey, well, you get the ding. Check this out. Yeah. Check your email. You get the ding. <laughs> because it, it is so awesome. C.H.F. Gourmet there is Darlene. Go. There you go. Just so I get it right. Just so I get it right. But we are so thankful for you guys uh, helping us 
keep the show going Mm -hmm. and improve. And it's just amazing. And in spite of this last year's challenges, we've been able to do it because of y'all's support. So if you'll head over to patreon.com slash run, eat, drink podcasts, check out those three levels we're talking about. That's the $2, the $5 and $10 level. And each one has their own special perks. And we are continuing to refine and improve those perks as we head through 2021. Patrons get special thank you messages from us. Insiders and founders get their name in names in lights on runningdrink.net. And insiders get a look behind the scenes, get special access to video footage. Like this week, they had early access to part two of Bart Yasso's interview. Mm. More to come, cooking demos, exclusive tastings of our favorite food and beverage, including bonus items from great places that didn't necessarily we we didn't necessarily have time for on the show. Our show is always going to be free, but if you guys want more Running Drink podcast content, you want to support the show long term, you want to keep the lights on and the bandwidth flowing, check us out at patreon.com slash run eat drink podcast. As always, we thank everyone for every way you have supported and continue to support the Runny Drink Podcast. Now, I mentioned that there was a thread that was tying together the food and and the beverage. What is that thread? Well, it happens to be red wine. (laughs) This might be one of the few, if not the first, times we've covered wine on the show. Are you shocked? Runcation Nation? We've been talking about it. We've been teasing it. But we are, in fact, talking about a wine tonight. And we should put an asterisk by that. Why? While we are talking about wine, this really is a wine-based beverage. It's a wine-based beverage that we have talked about. A couple of years ago, we talked about Thanksgiving favorites. And... Beverages that we traditionally have at Thanksgiving, at Christmas, these are family, that we've discovered these recipes, family members have embraced them, so we have repeatedly brought them to family gatherings, and it's also a fantastic, this mulled wine recipe is a fantastic beverage to have around a fire pit on a cold night in front of the fireplace we just had a patron go on a ski trip and instruct her friend fun size jen instructed a a friend taught her how to successfully ski the slopes that's impressive and I, I can't think of nothing better than to sit down with a warm mug of mulled wine after a successful day like that. Yeah, a lot of people think of mulled wine as really a traditional holiday or Christmas beverage. But truth be told, it's a phenomenal warm beverage to have as long as the temperatures are dipping low in the evening out there yes and it is such an easy one to make and i was so excited when i came home today i (laughs) walked in the door and the smell because i made it i know immediately your nickname is what craft services craft services that's me i made the beverage this week so yeah and i the minute i walked in (laughs) i was greeted by the smell of these holiday warming spices of cinnamon and nutmeg and clove and some some 
orange and just this warmth. And I'm like, oh, this is so nice. Yeah. And I knew what was waiting. And it's what I love about this is you could set it to go in the morning or at lunchtime and it's ready by dinner. And and yeah. And it doesn't matter what vessel you can put it on the stove on low. You could put it in a crock pot on low. Mm -hmm. You can put it in an instant pot. Yeah. On the, the slow cook method. And what's I think even better about it is that you can really vary this recipe up a little bit if you're depending on the wine that you choose it does depend because there are red wines that are barrel aged like the one we used but there are also there are drier ones there are malbecs out there that are very woodsy Mm -hmm. and hearty And, and then there are sweeter ones too that you can experiment with yeah, and what so, we ended up going with is one that we found. It's a bourbon barrel-aged Cabernet Sauvignon called Stave and Steel. Yes. And, and we found this one how many years ago? Four or five? Oh, yeah, it has to be. Yeah, and this is one that's readily available at our local grocery store. So they, I'm they thinking, have a wine section. Yeah, so I'm thinking it would be widely available, although that red wine element you can play with. Yes, in the recipe. Yeah, we like this one because of the oaky notes that you get from the barrel aging. Mm-hmm. And we find that that pairs very nicely with the things that you add to it during the cooking process. And yes, I said cooking process. And like Amy mentioned, you put this yeah. either on the stove or slow cooker. Yeah. And you basically are adding the ingredients. And let's talk ingredients a little bit. So you have a bottle of wine. Mm-hmm. And it's a 750 milliliter bottle standard of bottle of wine. And you have cinnamon sticks, four cinnamon sticks, mm-hmm. regular size cinnamon sticks. And you have clove, like eight whole cloves, cloves, whole cloves. And that's because you can filter them out. Yeah. And also nutmeg. And like whole nutmeg that you break up. That yeah. A lot of people have never seen whole nutmeg. They, they, they don't realize it's, it looks like a kind of like a, a nut, like a like a big or an acorn almost. Yeah. So like a round nut kind of. Or like a chestnut. Yeah, exactly. Like that. But I put them in a plastic bag and I got a like a meat mallet, a tenderizer and mm. broke up a little bit. So I added... That, I added the whole cinnamon sticks, and I zested an orange, a large orange, added the zest right into the wine, and then the the juice of the orange as well, but I, then I also, the whole orange with the pulp, once I juiced once it. Once you juiced it. Was, it was still intact, so I stuck the cloves in there. Like in the skin? In the skin, and then dropped in the entirety of the orange with the pulp and the cloves. Now, you can just add the cloves in there, or if you want to get really fancy, you can take cheesecloth and you can put all of the the nutmeg and the cinnamon sticks and the cloves, all of that into cheesecloth and tie that up so that it's easily removable that way. Making a sachet. Making a sachet. Or you can add it all in, like I did, without a cheesecloth, because we didn't have one. And 
once you have that in there, then low and slow for a couple of hours, but you could let it go as long as you want on low Mm -hmm. in any vessel, and then you can strain it. Right. So you could either do the cheesecloth and then remove the cheesecloth at the end, or you can strain it just in a sieve. Honestly, I think that you're, you could do the cheesecloth. The problem there is that the cloth's going to absorb some of the liquid. Sure. I think you're fine just to pour it through through a, a wire mesh strainer, mm-hmm. and you're fine at that yeah. point. And yeah. then you can put it into you, you can put it into a serving vessel at that point. Sure. You could put it into a thermal a carafe of some kind if oh, you're yeah. for serving throughout the evening or if you're going to travel with it you or, can put it into we have those really hardy growlers the beer growlers that we the use beer growlers that you could like from florida florida keys brewing yeah they're manufactured by drink, drink tanks, tanks but we got them from but florida you can keys. you can travel with those you could put those and you could then just put them in the trunk of your car if you're going to travel to a celebration or a fire pit or whatever whatever you're going to do she keeps dropping the hint of a fire pit. I think I've got to make a trip to the hardware store this weekend. I'm missing that. Well, we got like probably maybe two more days this year where we could enjoy one. Probably. Unless we're going to be burning big citronella logs. Oh, yeah. But so once you strain it, you can strain it into wine glasses and you can get in that single bottle of wine. You could probably get... Four, four servings. servings. Yeah, that's usually four glasses of wine is normally what you get mm-hmm. out of a bottle of wine. And, and then you can garnish it with a whole cinnamon stick and orange your, wheel. Mm-hmm. And a lot of mold wine recipes will have an extra element of brandy. Oh. As well. You could play with that. We didn't add any kind of sweetener in this one. No, this recipe normally calls for equal parts of water and white granulated sugar so normally Mm -hmm. it's one cup water and one cup of granulated sugar and rather than making a simple syrup on the stove and then pouring it in if you're doing it in the slow cooker you just add those two ingredients you don't have to you don't have to worry about it so that does add some volume to the total recipe and Mm -hmm. it it maybe stretches it a little bit sure but it's not really a substantial stretch no i think you're still getting the same number of servings it adds a lot of sweetness a lot of sweetness so we did it without this time so that if you want to stay away from the added sugar and have the drier and less sweet version of the mulled wine you can. Or if you have a particular sweetener that you prefer to use as opposed to processed sugar, like mm-hmm, we do, mm-hmm. we like to use uh, dark agave syrup. Mm-hmm. And for us, it was just adding a tablespoon of the dark agave syrup to our respective mugs mm-hmm. of mulled wine. Yeah. So you can do that to sweeten it, or you could certainly play with honey. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that'd be a great option. Raw honey or local honey, or maple syrup. You, if you're you wanting can, to really could, lean into the holiday flavors. Yeah, you could play with the sweetening element of it, or you could leave that out if you're trying to stay away from that. And mm-hmm. a lot of people don't like a sweeter wine, even if it's in like a mold wine warm serving toddy mm-hmm. kind of configuration you could get that same all the spices and the warming it's just a little bit drier and not as sweet yeah and for those that like their wine on the dry side you're like this perfect and you and then you get the elements of the spices the warming soul kind of beverage 
much. Yeah, this you serve it piping hot. Mm-hmm. You've got the cinnamon stick you can swirl in there. Mm-hmm. I could even see somebody if they wanted to almost like dessert this up. Mm. You know, maybe a little bit of uh, whipped cream on top if they wanted to. Sure. I don't think that would be terrible. No. But I just love... Or maybe some cherry or brandy or both. The brandy sounds interesting to mm-hmm. me. Yeah, mm-hmm. I could see that. Yeah. But this is... I, it's a, a fantastic flavor. Mm-hmm. The I What I love about it is you put it in the Instant Pot. Today. I did. On and, the slow cooker setting. And we got great oranges right now. Mm-hmm. And the orange juice was a nice touch. That sweetens it a little bit. But when you put the entire, when you put the zest in, the oils from the zest give such a yeah. fresh mm-hmm. citrusy pop to the aroma on this. But when you are letting it steep with the actual rind of the orange in there, it's not only giving you that that fragrant orange mm. it's giving you the bitter a little bit of the bitterness yeah because a lot of people peel. you associate the white part of the pith the, the pith as really the bitterness but i think with the red wine it is really a nice touch now of course if you don't like that you could just zest the orange and, and juice it, juice it. And then just not put the whole orange in there. So you can play with this to give it the kind of flavor you want. But by the time this is all said and done, this is winter, fall, like fall, winter holiday in a cup. This is a mug Mm. of just homey, like you said, soul warming Mm -hmm. goodness. Yeah. So this, along with some of that shepherd's pie or shepherdess pie. Mm-hmm. I should say, depending on what you do on with how the you recipe, prepare it, yeah. I think this for our friends that are experiencing this harsh winter this year is a winning combination of food and drink, especially mm-hmm. if you guys are running in some of this weather yeah. that we're seeing. I know that there have been some bone chilling runs that you guys have been doing, and I could just imagine you're running in in sub 30 degree temperatures rob nadow out there on the trail mm-hmm. and yeah, some of the the footage he's or the pictures he showed of the snow gin up in new york oh and jen in oklahoma, jen in oklahoma. they've been running in these crazy low temperatures i could just see coming in after that getting a nice you know, plate or bowl of that shepherd's pie and then oh. curling up with this to mm-hmm. to get the chill out of your bones yeah wow. Come on. Yeah. So we will link to the Healthspan Solution recipe for the shepherd's pie. And we have the actual recipe for the mulled wine that we use in the, in sh- the show notes. notes. Oh, you did it. I did. Awesome. So that's going to do it. Yes. For this week's show. Next week, part three, mm-hmm. we put a bow on our interview with the mayor of running. Yeah. Bart Yasso. Amazing. And we'll talk some more about training and preparation and keeping you guys well armed and equipped for a healthful approach to 2021. And motivated. And hopefully. Inspired. That's our goal. Well, Bart's going to do that because he just does that. (laughs) He just does that. Yes. He can't help it. He is amazing. And he doesn't realize that he's so humble. 
So stay tuned for that third part of the interview. You're going to love it. And we got a great review over on we Apple did. Podcasts. Yay. And uh, we can't thank you enough for doing this. I'm going to share this with everybody. Oh. This says, my new coffee clutch. And this was That's posted. the title. This was posted by our friends over at the This Diz Life podcast. Yes. And it says, Amy and Dana make it so that you feel you are talking to longtime friends. Their coffee talks and podcasts are so relatable and easily some of my favorite content to consume. While I'm not admittedly a runner, their talks get into cuisine, drinks, and just discussions of life itself. Mm. This is the perfect podcast for when you're looking to unwind and enjoy the finer things in life. <laughs> Thank you, Amy and Dana, for sharing your authentic selves with all of us in the podcasting community. And this is signed, Mark. So sweet. I think he he classes us up. I, I know. I, I, I feel I, so classy. I, I feel like we need to live up to this My now. goodness. Yes. Hopefully we have this week. Well, Mark, and that is Mark Valentine from the mm -hmm. This Is Life podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to really? do that. And yeah. if you guys have a second, if you could head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a quick rating and review, that helps us get discovered and it helps us grow the Runcation Nation. And we can't thank you enough for that because in 2020, in 2021 we can't believe the amazing people we have met in the running community and the podcasting community so that's going to do it for this episode thank you guys for joining us on your long run your commute to work around the house or wherever you might be i'm your host amy and i'm your co-host dana stay safe stay well and we will accomplish explore and indulge with you really soon. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Run, Eat, Drink podcast. We're having another great year thanks to your support. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We're at Run, Eat, Drink podcast. And on Twitter, we're Run, Eat, Drink pod. You can also give us a call at 941-677-2733 or send us an email at info at runeatdrink.net. Visit our website at runeatdrink.net and click on the subscribe link so you don't miss a minute. Find out how you can support the show at patreon.com slash runeatdrinkpodcast. Accomplish, explore, and indulge right along with us. We'll talk to you next time.